I really encourage you, if you haven't thought about how your thoughts affect your body, how, how your thoughts affect your career, how they th- affect anything, and you don't have any outlet, I think the first thing is like what Derek and I discussed, learning how to become a little bit present, starting before you're really ready, putting it into action, and you'd be surprised how the truths come to you and how the realizations kind of, things just align, and the body seems to do the same thing. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Cubicle Athlete. I am your host, Derek, and on today's episode, we have Dr. David Meyer, who is an author, podcaster, physical therapist, former rehab coordinator of the St. Louis Cardinals. He has many other titles, but as he says at the beginning of this episode, titles are overrated and it's your story that matters, and Dr. David Meyer has an awesome story. He also recently published a book, it's called Injured to Elite. And it's an awesome book. It was a very important one for me. It helped me a lot, and it's still helping me today. I'm so thankful that he took the time to come on the show and discuss some of his ideas and his research and his profession. I hope everybody enjoys it. So without further ado, let's start the show. Nice to chat with you and actually uh, meet you face-to-face here over Zoom, because I've been listening to a lot of your stuff over the last couple of weeks. Um, So yeah, let's just jump right into it. I'd love to start with your origin story, just because uh, I, I mean, you've had such a cool career from what I could tell. I've always been so interested in physical therapy, probably because I've had so many injuries over the years. Yeah. It was a career that I, I was really considering in, in the beginning. And for whatever reason, I just didn't go down that path. But um, you've taken that career to pretty high level. Obviously, you've worked with some professional athletes. You were the, I think it was medical and rehab coordinator for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, you've written a book, which I think is a really good book. Uh, you're doing a podcast, which I think is a really good podcast. Uh, so I'd love to know how you got here, how you got to this point. Derek, thank you, man. It's great to be on here with you. And great question, because if you listen to what I talk about, I talk all about the story, right? Your story is, is underrated. Titles are overrated. And interesting how you're talking about titles. My title is physical therapist. I think that's even overrated because it brings me back full circle. So my origin story, grew up a five foot five athlete, born and raised New York, barely played college baseball, but I played college baseball. Grew up with a diehard sports fan father who unfortunately was also chronically ill with kidney disease. And I considered a baseball genius or a sports genius. And it rubbed off on me in a big way. And I played hockey and baseball, which are my two sports. I see the Canadians shirt. I love it. Um, so grew up an Islanders, Mets, Jets, Nets fan, because that's what dad's teams were. And seeing his perseverance through his own physical struggles and chronic kidney disease amounts to all kinds of things from destroying your musculoskeletal system from the drugs, the medications you take, and just everything, your overall mood from being on dialysis a few times a week. It's really tough. And he persevered. He really pushed himself to raise me right. And and my mother really was behind him and they did it together. But it was amazing for me to see how he just kept optimistic. And I can't explain it. I don't know why he was that way. He just was, maybe because he was sick at a very young age. Real quick. And so- were you aware of that in the beginning, like from the get-go, or is this looking back on it, reflecting now, how just seeing how optimistic he was? Yeah, that's a good question. I think growing up, I always kind of noted that he kind of just took it in stride. But no, I don't think there was a moment where I was like, man, he's tough. It's more so like fearful. Like I was afraid to see him yeah. get the medical treatment when I was 
10, 11, 12 years old. I didn't want to go next to the, the hospital. I didn't want to see him as sick. So I don't think I really saw it at a young age as, wow, he's so tough. When I was really young, you know, before he was even sick, I thought one day going to a baseball game, he was going to go on the field. And we all see our, our, our father maybe in that light when we're really young in the sports kind of capacity. But in terms of his illness and everything, that really wasn't, no, I don't think I noticed it. I think it just literally was something that I, I, I grew into. And I think it became... Also, I should mention psychology. We, had, we should have shout out Carl Biscobi, who was also on my show, who I, I learned about from your show, which is awesome. And, you know, psychology was what I studied in undergrad in Albany. But with, with my, my upbringing, my mother really kept us together and she has her own battles. And I think I just took it on, the, I took the role on as, as, it was my responsibility to help the family, to make them feel better. I was the only child. My, my, my twin did not survive pregnancy in the last trimester. So like, I think I took it upon myself to like heal others and it started with my own parents. So maybe that kind of intertwines with this crazy optimism I have, uh, maybe hypomania at times because I, I'm a big dreamer. I am. And, and the dreams have taken me, like you were mentioning, they took me to some really wild places to working for the St. Louis Cardinals and to writing a book and doing the podcast and working with billionaires and flying on the jets with them. Like from a kid growing up on the Island, like really doesn't make sense on paper. So my dreams took me there and I don't really always have that answer of this is why I'm that way. I only have a guess so when I try and teach others to be this way, I'm always mindful of like, it's not that easy no. to just snap out of it. Right. It's tough. It's yeah. tough to be mentally in tuned every single day. Yeah. I mean, nature, nurture, genetics, environment, you know, a mixture of, of all those things. And I don't think I necessarily had the genetics or the, uh, the nature of it. So I always tried to kind of nurture it into myself and my parents as well when I was younger, but as I'm getting older and I see some things I don't like in myself and, um, you know, just trying to make some, some positive changes, some improvements. And that, I mean, that, I think that's why I started this podcast really and why I've come across guys like you and why I listen to guys like you, because it, it helps. And it, here's, here's the thing too, is what really got me interested in this podcast and anything just revolving around sports psychology. Like I, I really don't like self-help. Like I don't like self-help books. There's just something about it that just turns me off. But when it's in a sport context, I love it. It's the exact same stuff, but it just makes it so it's exactly e the same. Yeah, it's the same stuff, but I, it's easy for me to digest it when it's in a sports context, just because I like sports, I guess. And it's just, it doesn't seem as woo woo and like mystic and you know it's just like i it's more visible i guess when i see lebron james on the bench in the fourth quarter with two minutes left and you see him with his eyes closed and he's meditating before like you could visually see some of these practices taking place and the rewards they get from these practices um so i don't think i ever really had a lot of that stuff ingrained in me it's just constantly trying to expose myself to a lot of these ideas like i'm doing listening to your podcast and reading your book uh, which has been really helpful because I think it's kind of, it's making a, a positive impact on me. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I totally see where you're coming from and it's weird. I, so my mentor from your neck of the woods in Florida, where you're, where you're from in Jupiter, Florida, he, J John Denny, who you read about at this point now in the book, 
So I got introduced to John Denny through Damian Leroy. He's a kite, he's a professional kite surfer. He's one of the best in the world. So Damo, I got hooked up with him. He, he had a real bad crash, nation, nationwide attention. He had to detach from his chute, uh, power. I always get him confused. I think paragliding and to Jupiter. And he decides I'm going to land on the mangroves instead of the concrete survives, breaks his hip and it fractures his pelvis and crazy story. So I met him through a little Cardinals thing. And I was like, man, if you need any help, just let me know. You can come to the facility. Well, Cardinals probably don't even know that, but whatever. And uh, I hooked him up, gave him some, some treatment and we're in the mall, the Palm beach gardens mall. And I get introduced to John Denny. So he's like, oh, you got to meet John Denny. This guy is a legend, mental performance. And John, so John Denny was surfing waves with Laird Hamilton. Okay. So, so John is like legit, legit intertwined in the whole entire circles of big wave surfing and everything you could imagine. His mentor was a guy by the name of Carol Ryder, who was an astrologer to the stars before we get to woo woo. And so his mother actually introduced John, John to Carol in LA when he moved out there from the Northeast and he started doing this harmony exercise. And so when I first met John, cause he wanted to get this harmony exercise and everything more involved, I go to his office in Jupiter and he's showing me, talking to me about heart, mind, focus and mindfulness. And at that point I was spiritually seeking at that point in my life because I, this really close Indian friend of mine, he was like telling me, you know, you got to be more spiritual. And it was a, it just was naturally aligned there. But I tell John at the end of the session, I'm like, John, I love this stuff, but baseball, no chance. They're not, professional sports is not interested in, in, in these types of conversations. And he, if you read the foreword of my book, John talks about how I pretty much shunned him off in terms of it being applicable. And I think now looking back, I was there more so for my own development and seeing where it's taken me now, eventually I mean, he's part of my book and it makes a lot of sense. But at the time, much to what you were saying, I felt like, no, this, I'm, an, I'm a sports guy. Like, don't talk to me about the secret. And, <laughs> I, and I think that stuff is taken out of, I, I have different beliefs than how some view manifestation and things. Mine is, I think, more practical. But it's, it's really interesting over the last five years how mental performance has change sports, right? Every team, almost every team, not every team has a mental performance coach coordinator. And here we are talking about it, podcasts coming up about it. And so I love this conversation and I just hope more people out there with injuries like yourself, who, who you're a recreational athlete and you take it seriously and you have knee injuries, whatever it is, you're looking at things outside of the physical domain because I'm telling you right now, it is so important to utilize mental strategies to overcome physical challenges. Yeah. And that's, that's where we're at now. That's where my career took me. Yeah. Crazy enough. <laughs> yeah. So to go into the book, uh, my favorite chapter was chapter five, rehabbing your mind. Um, Mine too. So I was actually going to ask that because, so, I mean, you, you talk about pain, how it's not a trustworthy indicator of your physiological state. You talk about the reset breath and meditation, thought viruses, thought vaccine, vaccines, um, developing it. your anchor switch. Uh, one I thing I loved a lot was the alter ego effect. Um, and, you know, some of these Todd things- Todd Herman, shout out to Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, it's definitely on the list. I'm going to read that book. Um, Get him as a guest. Oh, that'd be awesome, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, well, for me too. Yeah. <laughs> looking to Todd Herman. Yeah. He's got a lot of content. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of what we were just saying is like some of these subjects to some people, maybe they could be seen as woo woo or alternative kind of, you know, maybe mysticism, but I, the way you approach the subjects, you made it so applicable, so logical. Um, you mentioned so much like scientific data and research to back everything up. And uh, maybe this is my bias talking because it is my favorite chapter, but I got the impression this was probably the most fun chapter you had writing and researching. Is that right? 100%. It's the longest chapter of the book. I, I think should be the longest chapter of the book and took me the longest to write took me the longest to edit. It's my, I'm so happy you said that. That really touches me because <laughs> it, it's it really, if I had to say to you, Hey, if you don't have a lot of time, what, what do you read? Just go to chapter five, read chapter five. Now the rest of the book is really important. If you're actually going through an injury yourself, like a meniscus tear or a meniscectomy or an ACL reconstruction or a shoulder rotator cuff repair, like read the whole thing cover to cover because this is the stuff that the PT, the physio doesn't have the time to tell you and they're not telling you because they're just the mill, the mill, the mill. This kind of takes care of that. And I'm really honored. Like I, nothing excites me more than when somebody read my book and starts talking to me about it because it's like everything's out of the way. You, you get it. And it's just one of those things. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to be on here to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Is there uh, I mean, I'd love to dive into some of those things. Like uh, the first thing, sure. I think it's in the beginning of the chapter, how you talk about pain being just not a trustworthy yeah. indicator of your physiological state. I've, I've actually experienced that. And I think I, I mentioned it in the episode I did with Dr. Biscobi, uh, which I think mm -hmm. you, you said you listened to where um, mm -hmm. not to go too deep into the history of my injuries, but meniscectomy when I was 19 and, um, or no, I'm sorry. We, uh, sutured the tear when I was 19, then a meniscectomy when I was Repair. 26. Yeah, we repaired it. And then um, I tore the other one during that rehab process in my left knee yeah. um, and never did anything. I did, I did PRP a couple times here and there, but um, over the years that left one, it, it gets aggravated, starts feeling better. It gets aggravated. It comes, it comes and goes. But uh, it was around the time I did that episode with Biscobi where um, I ended up doing an MRI and the knee was just not feeling good. And I'm like this, like in my mind, that tear just got like twice as large. Like, like this just does not feel right. And when the results of the MRI came back, doctors like, nah, it doesn't look too bad. Like, I don't think you need surgery. I don't like, it looks okay. You could probably just do a little bit of physical therapy. And the pain just seemed to go when he told me that, like the knee felt so much better when he told me that. I'm like, what am I doing in my head where you know, like, like I'm doing something to myself. There's a physiological response with my, my negative thoughts of my body is just shit right now. And then he tells me, no, your body's all right. And then I, I felt fine after that. I'll make it really easy to understand that. And that's a perfect example. When a fire alarm goes off, when you weren't expecting it, the first second you hear that alarm, it scares the daylights out of you, right? You jump. You, it's right. terrifying. Yeah. Five seconds later, it's like, oh, this is just annoying, like, <laughs> right? right? So it's the same thing with our nervous system. When we're feeling that threat or that insult, at first, it's like, oh, I'm going back on the table. I'm not playing hockey for six months. This sucks. Catastrophization comes in and you tell your friends about it. Don't do that, by the way. You tell everybody. <laughs> you call. You, you don't do that. Just, keep, you know. 
um, my mentor always says, you know, don't, don't share, don't share your pain with two. Now I don't agree fully with it because you need to disclose it to somebody. Right. But, but when you start telling everybody, then it can grow even more. It depends on how you're talking about it, by the way. You, if you're talking about it in a positive light in terms of how you're growing through it and, and, and making sense of it, that's okay. But telling everybody, oh, my back is so bad, I can't work. And it's, that'll just keep you in the cycle. But so there's some really smart people that did some work. Lorimer Mosley and David Butler wrote a book called Explain Pain. So they wrote this revolutionary guidebook that was written for patients directly and clinicians alike to understand this pain science concept of it's not that simple. If I feel pain here and there's damage that would probably be evident on an imaging report or a study and you need to operate on it. We're so much more dynamic than that. So they pointed all this out and they changed the entire way a lot of us treated and they, they really brought to light that we need to educate our patients, just like a psychologist, they call it psychoeducation. We need to educate our patients on whether it's the pathology, whether it's pain science, this is a bigger part of it. And thought viruses, which they coined or part of their group they coined, is, is really kind of what was really important for me to kind of take that forward and expand on it. So instead of it just being a thought virus, because what does a virus do? It spreads. And so my mentor and I, we were talking about this right before COVID, swear to God, we were podcasting it. And we, we were like, we're going to call affirmations thought vaccines. And it just kind of hit us like that. Yeah. I mean, if you affirm my knee is healing, my meniscus is, is, is okay. It's not getting in the way of my knee. My range of motion is improving. All these affirmations, they do work to almost fix the pain not really fix the pain, but ease the pain yeah. or integrate the pain. Right. Like it's not going to heal that tear, but it, it may still improve it or sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It I mean, might. We don't know yet. It might. I mean, I had somebody come on the show, Dr. Mark Hutchinson and the whole adage of we use 10% of our brain that came from the seventies, eighties, where it was the neuronal structure. The neurons in our brain might make up 10%. Don't quote me. The other 90% is made up of our glia, which is basically the supportive structure of our brain. And we, just, we used to think, oh, yeah, that supportive structure was just there to do a few things. Little did we realize, no, that stuff is actually your immune system of your brain. That stuff is like super connected to all the other domains of your your nervous system. And it might even be the conduit between your thoughts and biomarkers of health and immunity. And so it's like, whoa, wait a yeah. second. So the East... The Eastern ideas of whatever the Eastern practice might be, if it's in Australia and you're talking about using smoke to, to go around the body, all these different things are just not explained scientifically in a Western approach. So when it comes to healing a meniscus, do we know? We don't know. It might. Your thought might have an impact on that propensity to heal. It's not going to – look, I, I don't think it's about it, it, it changing overnight, but we can't rule out the power of it. Yeah, you really can at this point. Sure. So I'd, I'd like to move on to uh, another thing you were talking about, the reset breath and meditation. Because these are things that I haven't meditated in a very long time. And reading your book is like, I really need to start doing this again. Because I was doing it, I don't know how many years ago it was now, the last time uh, I was regularly meditating. I was using uh, Headspace, which was very helpful. Because before Love I started, yeah, because without it, I wouldn't have known really what the hell I was doing. Um, it just none of us would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I need I need to get back into it. But I was curious 
do you falter with that as well? Or do you struggle with it? Or are you pretty like consistent and you're, you, you have it down as a habit or. Yeah. I, I, you know, one of the, one of the, the fortunate things of living the, the professional lifestyle I live is I, I based everything around really my own mission, my own purpose. And so I'm not working at a clinic. I don't have that noise. I, I'm really stubborn with my beliefs. So yeah, on a daily basis, I do practice a few things. I have a combination of headspace that I do. I, I do the harmony exercise. That's my, that's kind of my practice, but I also do a lot of other things. Like I have a 12 o'clock uh, every day around noon, we have a harmony gratitude circle on clubhouse. We talk about something we're grateful for something, and then we put something into right action. But let me say this. I think a lot of people, again, make it overly complicated. Meditation is, a, is an esoteric throwaway term. Mindfulness is as well. But being present, that's pretty specific. What does it mean to be present? It just means reeling in your thoughts, getting a little bit of comfort within your thoughts, having a little bit more of an ability to regulate your reaction to your thoughts. So meditating could be 10 seconds of that. The reset breath is meditation, really. Um, and I'd love to take you, I mean, we could, we could take our listeners through a reset breath or even a little semi meditation for a few, for a few minutes. Let's do it. But I think yeah. the most, let's do it right now. Let's <laughs> yeah. jump into that. Cause I think it'll be good for you because you want to, you want to set this intention. So let me just show you how John, my, my mentor, John Denny has kind of mentored me and now I've embodied this and modeled this. So we'll, we'll take some things you said, Derek, uh, in terms of you said I need to start meditating. So the first thing is we're going to do a little bit of a shift in our mindset from needing to meditate and putting that into action. I'm going to be doing that. I want to meditate and here it comes, right? So we just let that train flow right there. That's the first step. And then the second step is with that intention, we're just going to get a little present, okay? So we're going to do two things. I'm going to take you through a meditation, a little quick guided meditation, and then I'm going to take you through a reset breath. I think this will be a great way to, as, as we kind of get towards the end of the episode too. Yeah. So we have that intention. We're putting things into this, this right action of I'm going to start being present, mindful. And the first thing we want to do is just get this heart-mind focus, right? And so we call it heart, mind, focus, just bringing our thoughts around our heart. And a little quick first step could be to just relax our physical body. So let's take a nice, let's take a seat, feet flat on the ground, hands down in the lap. Keep your eyes closed now. Let's take a nice breath in through the nose, out through the mouse. And let's just relax our brow, the upper back of our head, the face, and our lower back of our head. Relax the neck, shoulders, upper arms, elbows, forearms, wrists, hands, fingers, and thumbs. And now let's relax our upper back, our chest, our abdomen, and our pelvic section. Relax our hips, our thighs, knees, calves, ankles, feet, and toes. And let's take another breath to relax our mind. Let's realize perfect health. Saying, I am perfect health. I am radiant, vital, dynamic health now. And let's send out thoughts of universal health to those that we pray for in health. 
Now, having realized this principle of health, our natural condition, let us realize perfect harmony. And we usually take, take the harmony tone throughout our bodies, throughout our limbs, but in this abbreviated version, we're just going to realize I am perfect harmony now. Take a nice breath again. And let us send out universal thoughts of let's let us send out thoughts of universal harmony to those in our communities, our families, our friends, anybody that we'll come in contact with today. We might be caught in the maze, as we call it, with certain people and feeling injustice and being in a fight with a significant other, but just come from a place of sending harmony to that person because you'll Get more than what you started with, and it'll help you ultimately. And so we think of perfect harmony. And then we think of gratitude, thinking of one small thing to be grateful of for this day. Could be an object, could be a thought, could be an individual. And with that attitude of gratitude, we bring it down into our aura, into our being, realizing I am grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And lastly, we think of right action. Anything that we want to see go our way for ourselves or another, we might not know how to take action, but we take action knowing all is working out in perfect order. Place those thoughts into right action now. And we just see it as already done. And we try and be very specific with this. So maybe it's, I want a thousand downloads for my podcast. So we see that number. We take a nice deep breath. And that's right there, a little abbreviated version of the harmony exercise. And kind of just on the top of my head, we could do it in all different ways. And that's as simple as meditation is. It doesn't, nothing perfect has to happen right now. It's just, we, we just, we, we develop this hygiene, this mental hygiene, and we grow with it. And we just start wherever. It doesn't matter where we start. We right. can start... Perfect. We could start, you know, with, with a really good meditation session, or we could start with a, you know, kind of off the cuff meditation, like we just did. And you just let it snowball, but you don't wait, don't put it off. Right. So that's, that's, that's a little bit of the harmony head over to the harmony exercise.com. If you want, you could do it for free and uh, have John take you through it. The recording, um, the then, recording of him. The, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, daily recording in uh, Sunset and Jupiter in your neck of the Loxahatchee. And uh, it's really nice. It's really great. He always adds a thought of the day. And um, the reset breath is really simple. You could do that really quickly. So the reset breath, we just heart, mind, focus again. We just bring ourselves to the here and now. If the thought's coming, just like Andy with Headspace teaches us, just let the thought pass by gently. And then we just take a deep breath in, about five seconds, and then that full exhalation out. And I don't really care so much about the, the timing, but full inhalation, full exhalation, in through the nose, out through the mouth. And then as we're breathing out, we think of a, gr a grateful thought. Then we just repeat, thank you, thank you, thank you. It could be before a golf shot, before you get on the ice. If you got hit and you're just trying to get yourself back in, just uh, scored a goal on you, whatever it is. Yeah. Quick action. It sounds like a great foundation to everything else that you've mentioned in that chapter. It's just a, like, it's probably a good way to practice on how to come up with the, or to fight or combat those 
thought viruses and coming yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I do struggle with that. And there's one thing that you mentioned several times throughout the book is trusting your body, Tr- have trust in your body and, and healing. It's what your body does. You get injured, your body has millennia of, of experience of just evolving to becoming this machine that heals when it's injured. And I just have struggled with that. Like I don't find my body to, to be trustworthy. Right. So it's, and uh, that, that in see, itself is a thought virus, right? Like, can so, we go there? Yeah. Derek. Yeah. So the, the, there's this concept of agency and it was the same podcast with Dr. Hutchinson. You ever hear somebody say, oh, I just cut the arm off, cut the leg off. I'm, I'm done with it. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's part of you, right? We get that sometimes in our, in our work, people are just willing to, they just don't want it anymore. Yeah. And what we realize is that we give our body part, like your knee or your body agency, meaning it's separate from you and it's right. not. There's right. no separation. It's totally, you are your body and the perception of pain and thoughts that's, and the interaction between those nerves in that knee of yours and how it affects your brain and emotionally and your performance, that is all one. And so that is what becoming more present can get you to. But the thing is a lot of people, they'd think they need to be in a Tony Robbins seminar and paying 10 grand, or they need to be working with the best sports psychologists in the world, or they need to read, you know, the full book cover to cover. And what they failed to realize is that it's a lot easier than any of that. Just start before you're ready and just start, start with breath. The reason why we start with our respiration is because it's the thing that we can control the easiest, our physiology and our Breathing is directly correlated to our heart rhythm and the deeper parts of our brain. So it's a quick way to just establish that normalcy, that equilibrium. And it doesn't necessarily, it's not combating the pain of squashing it. It's just allowing yourself, letting yourself experience it so it can ripple away in the water. The ripples are still there. It takes a while sometimes, but trust and faith, it's going to go away. We get what we believe, not what we want. We get what we believe, not what we want. We have to believe this is possible, that our knee can heal. It will heal. I can play hockey and get to my the state I want to be in. If we don't believe it, then our body will fail us. Right. That's probably the biggest thing in the book. Right yeah. There. Yeah, for sure. No, it really resonated with me because it's just like, yeah, I mean, you, you described in detail a lot of the things that I was struggling with and it was just made, I mean, a lot of concepts that I've never even been exposed to that I was like, oh, this is exactly what I needed. And one of the big things that probably the most stand out to me that I loved and I immediately started using and practicing was the alter ego effect. Because so I thought nice. I, lo- I loved that idea. Um, very easy to apply. And uh, could you go into detail in that? Because uh, yeah. you've obviously read that book and I, I did not. It's going to be on my list. But uh, I, I love that concept. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so Todd Herman, shout out to him. It's his work, not mine with the alter ego effect. And I heard Todd on one of my favorite podcasts where you're at in Malibu, uh, ritual, great podcast. One of the, one of the best podcasts out there on, he's an ultra, he's a retired attorney and he's now an ultra marathon runner and he's done all kinds of crazy things. And he's had, I mean, you name it, Edward Norton on his podcast. He's been interviewed by, you know, uh, Joe Rogan. It's a really great show. And one of the episodes was, was with Todd. And the second I hear Todd talking about all this alter ego stuff, I'm like, oh man, I've never thought about using this. And the story he tells that I've told a few times is the story of Bo Jackson. 
and Bo Jackson is get, is at the same place. Todd is giving a, a seminar, and Bo is saying hello to Todd and asks him what he's presenting on. And Todd says, "Oh, I'm presenting on alter egos." And Bo Jackson turns around and says, "Bo Jackson never played a down of football." And he goes on to tell him that his alter ego was Jason from Friday the Thirteenth. It it was just like so amazing to me because I've seen this with athletes. They're this bad mother effer on the field. And then you meet them and they're like, oh, it's a nice person. Like Yadier Molina for me, who was a Met killer. When I meet Yadi, I'm like, oh man, I love this guy. He's awesome. <laughs> what, what an awesome dude. And you realize that they got a little bit of that alter ego. And so for those out there, the point is the whole idea of act as if, right? We can model behavior. And there's something called mirror neurons that we if you ever were an athlete and you played a sport, you'd experience this when you're playing catch or, or you maybe stick handling with one of your teammates that was, uh, a, had a certain persona as a player and you almost model them. And when you're playing, for instance, when I'm playing catch with somebody that has a bad arm, my arm would kind of feel weird and not as good. And then I was having catch with, you know, almost a Cy Young award winner. I'm like, yeah, my arm action feels like that, even though I've didn't look anything like it, but it felt like it. And so this whole idea of mirror neurons is the same with alter egos. So pick something, pick a fake identity, an identity that you really want to embody, that you admire. It could be Spider-Man for whatever floats your boat and use that when you're feeling the thought virus or when you're feeling down, you're feeling, for instance, let's take your example. I have a tough time meditating. You know, maybe your alter ego becomes this like person that just always gets it done. Like this, you know, almost like, I don't know, I'm thinking of the movie with Bradley Cooper where he like is super, like he's able to do everything at warp speed. You know, Limitless, I think. Limitless. Yeah, yeah. You think of like a character like that, that just gets it done. Like they... You know, like Bo yeah. Jackson never, never played a down of football. Like, you know, yeah. Derek never, never misses a day of meditation. Now, people take this the wrong way and think, well, that's not being authentic. No, no, no. It's not about changing you. It's about equipping you with a tool in tough situations. Right. Eventually, what the alter ego can do is lead to points. Like, for instance, I sometimes get frustrated with certain patients. <laughs> you know, the patient that doesn't really believe in what I'm saying and stuff, my inner shadow comes out. So I have a little thing where sometimes I channel Tony Robbins. He starts his seminars out with his fist pump. And sometimes like when I'm, (laughs) when I was dreading somebody I'd be working with, I'd pull it out. I would just get some motion going. I'd put my fist in the air and be like, I'm pumped up. And over time, as I'm trying to embody TR, I didn't have to do it as much. Like eventually I just felt like, come over here. I'll talk to you. You don't believe in what I have to tell you. That's fine. I'm not turned off by that and so you get to this point where like pain not to pain is not a fact you know fear is not as much of a factor so like you develop a little bit of an armor at first and at first you're like pretending as a child and then but you're using that creative kind of imaginative play to eventually embody like yeah it's not so bad i could talk to that person i could i could present to a big group i could play hockey with the bigger guy i could skate with a little bit of an injury and then eventually you grow out of the need even, I think, to use it in all situations. Yeah. So shout out to Todd Herman, uh, the book, The Alter Ego Effect. Amazing, amazing stuff. And his story 
I mean, he overcome, overcame sexual assault. I think check out his podcast with, uh, with Rich Roll, but it's unbelievable how he kind of came to this, uh, this idea. And, uh, yeah. So good question. That's that's one of my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for exposing me to it. Cause like I said, like right from the get go, when I read it, it just sparked something in my mind. I'm like, this is who is it for you. So I actually started a little bit of an exercise where I create a spreadsheet. Like I, I want there to be multiple in different avenues of my life. Okay. Like, like Derek at work, uh, Derek at home as a dad, as a husband, mm-hmm. you know, me uh, as an athlete and recovering from injuries, whatever. So there was like multiple things that I was doing there. As an athlete, I always loved uh, GSP, George St. Pierre, uh, the fighter. Um, and when I had tore my meniscus and I was dealing when I was 26, he had just had an ACL injury. I, I swear it was like the same week or so. And yeah, I was down in San Diego. Yeah. 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 So I actually went to the same surgeon as he did. Uh, Elitrash. So I don't know oh, you're an Elitrash patient. <laughs> Shout <laughs> yeah. out to Neil. Shout out to Neil. I've sent a few people to Neil and uh, he does great work. Uh, I've had some really good results with some baseball players with him, but uh, yeah, GSP trained at a very interesting place. One of my good colleagues, Paul Davis with the Braves was the former pitching coach of the Mariners is tight with um, GSP's uh, trainer slash. I don't think he's a physio, but he does some interesting work. You should look into it down there in San Diego. I can't think of the name of the facility off the top of my head, but it's really interesting stuff. Well, he's doing a lot of inter- – I mean, I, I guess he's 40 now and uh, he's retired. But I saw a lot of stuff about him. Like he doesn't lift weights anymore. It's a lot of underwater stuff that he's doing. Um, I don't know. A, a lot yeah. of – yeah, a lot of interesting stuff that uh, – yeah. I mean, I, I lifted weights for I don't know how many years and probably ended up not because of the weights that I got the injuries, but probably just the way that I was lifting uh, that had caused a lot of the injuries. But uh, anyway, so yeah, that was the one – like for me, it's like – when it comes to taking care of my body and, and trying to do now during, you know, the pandemic, a lot of physical therapy type exercises and mo- mobility drills at home without the guidance of a physical therapist. I'm like thinking of that guy, you know, I'm thinking of like, like, yeah, he, he's not going to phone it in or just like, ah, I'm just going to watch Netflix tonight. You know, like that's, that's not what GSP does. That's what Derek might do, but that's not what GSP is going to do. So that's, that's kind not of what Derek does. Well, no, that's not, not, a, what, <laughs> that's not that, what Derek that, does. That was the, the conversation I'm that. having in my mind though. It's like, you know, Derek right now would probably just prefer to put on Ted Lasso, but you know what? GSP wouldn't do that. So I, I'm triggering the alter ego is what I was I thinking. Think- I love that. I think one thing that from, from just kind of using, I love your vulnerability. You do the, you and I both kind of bring that to our podcast. You bring the vulnerability there. And Which is weird because I don't do it in normal day-to-day life. <laughs> right. And that's, <laughs> but that's very therapy. That's the, yeah. the catharsis of, of being creative. Um, so I think hearing you speak a little bit, the story is going to change. We're going to change your story. That's what we're going to do. So if somebody like you, one of your listeners, because I'm sure your listeners have had injuries, doesn't matter the number, your listeners have had injuries, everyone that's listened. And so if you're, take what Derek's talking about, right? So change your story. So your story was you had this knee meniscectomy that was, or uh, repair of this ligament or this, this fibrocartilage in your knee. And then you had it taken out and you've had all these years of dealing with it. The quickest, the the most powerful thing you could do, change the story of it. So you start changing that story of, yes, I've had these injuries. Yes, I've had these surgeries. It is now going to be different because I am now going to be the person to be on top of it and commit to it. Like I just had a client, a new client that's coming into my, into, onto my roster. And she was expressing to me, like, I just, 
I've always been dumb about my injuries. But she's clearly not dumb. She's a very intelligent professional and she's ran several marathons. Like she's not dumb, but her story has been that I don't commit to my rehab. Well, guess what? Got to change that. You got to change that story, the narrative. And that's the thing. You could have the best mental skills, pay for everything under the sun, every supplement until you change that story. You know, the bad luck friend of yours, that's always losing. Well, until you change that narrative, you're always hurt. Yeah. That's, that's number one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure we're winding down towards the end here. I wanted to ask if you had any standout stories over the past of working with pro athletes and working with the St. Louis Cardinals. Is there any story that comes to mind that would be worthy sharing? Yeah. The story that I've told a lot is I was sitting, I was coming into the training room and I, my first year with the Cardinals, I'll leave everybody off with this. And I walk into up to the, the athlete he signed for about four or 500 grand and he, so he was a player that was, had a possibilities maybe making to the show, but they can quickly overlook you. And he had Tommy John, his, his rehab was going okay at best. And I picked up on the energy being a little down. I'm an intuitive empath. I consider myself and I kind of just felt it, but I didn't take him in the office. I didn't say, Hey man, let's come inside. Let's chat about this. Instead, I kind of just tried to make light of it. I kind of made, made a joke, not on him, but kind of joke with him. And I had all these players in the training room, 15 at once. And I wanted to throw with the players in the field to make sure they were doing their work and give the band work to everybody, blah, 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 blah. And kind of overwhelmed. And six months go by, come into the facility one day and I'm told, uh, we were told as a group, a player attempted suicide, thank God, unsuccessfully. It was him. And I was mad at myself because I saw it, I felt it, and I didn't address it the way David Meyer really could have. I really am somebody that feels that, and I didn't allow myself to go that direction because I'm this physical therapist that deals in the, men- the physical domain, not the mental domain. And I vowed to myself after that point that I wasn't going to let these, these athletes that are going through tremendous identity crises. We see the sexiness. We see the, the contracts and the, the, the cars they drive, but we don't realize like, hey, that identity crisis they go through when they're hurt as a pro athlete, that's some serious stuff. And I vowed to myself, I wasn't going to let that fall through the cracks. And that's really the backbone of what became and manifested into the book and my new approach and everything. And for anybody listening, I really encourage you, if you haven't thought about how your thoughts affect your body, how, how your thoughts affect your career, how they th- affect anything, and you don't have any outlet, I think the first thing is like what Derek and I discussed, learning how to become a little bit present, starting before you're really ready, putting it into action, and you'd be surprised how the truths come to you and how the realizations kind of, things just align, and the body seems to do the same thing. So yeah. hopefully that was a decent example for yeah you. no that was that was perfect yeah yeah um any any books documentaries that you'd recommend yeah we, we talked about a couple here but my favorite book this the book that really was a game changer for me is by two clinical psychologists phil stutz and barry michaels the tools listen to the audio book it's about a seven hour book it changed my life i made a post on instagram about it a few days ago, uh, you could see the tools on a staircase. This book is like, an, it's under the radar. People know about this. They are two clinical psychologists that were kind of frustrated with 
psychodynamic approach, psychoanalysis, and they wanted to give people more than just talk about your childhood. And oh, wow. After reading this, I'm actually re-listening to it right now I'm, uh, because I think it's just things I want to integrate into my relationship with my fiance and, and, and just, it's amazing. Re- read it along my book. <laughs> you yeah. can find Injure Tool Eat on Amazon. You can find the tools everywhere. We're both on Audible. Um, and find me on Instagram, Dave M I or D-A-V-E-M-M-E-Y-E-R. And uh, it's been a pleasure, Derek. Thank you so much, Dr. David Meyer. I mean, thank you for doing the podcast. Thank you for your book. Um, like I said, it's it's had such a, a big impact on me, and I could tell. I mean, I just read it, and I could tell it's gonna it's gonna stay with me for a while. So, thank you so much, man. 